Welcome back to another edition of the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast. We're brought to you by the Department of Corrections Communications Office. My name is Ryan Tarkowski, and I'm joined by executive producer Kurt Bope. Today, we want to start with a question. It's an easy one, and there are no wrong answers. The question is, what comes to mind when you hear the name Department of Corrections? For me, my mind immediately goes to our correctional institutions or prisons. The DOC operates 23 state correctional institutions and one motivational boot camp situated throughout Pennsylvania. These facilities are the most visible and tangible aspect of our department, and really it makes sense. You can't miss a facility like, well, for example, SEI Phoenix. It's a big facility in the eastern part of the state that houses almost 3,000 people. But a major part of what our department does is preparing the incarcerated population to re-enter society at the completion of their prison sentence. Right, Kurt? Yeah, that's right. The fact is that the overwhelming majority of incarcerated individuals are going to return to their community one day, um, either at the conclusion of their sentence or out on parole. Preparing these people for successful reentry starts when they're inside an institution with education, with treatment, and with rehabilitation programs, and it continues after their release. The DOC relies on community support to support these reentrants along their journey when they're out. Because let's face it, there are significant barriers facing folks who have spent years or even decades incarcerated. And it says a lot about the people who dedicate their own careers to help these people succeed. Today, we're going to meet one of those individuals. Her name is Penny Sines. She's a parole manager for the DOC in the north central part of the state. She's joining us to chat about an innovative new public-private partnership being piloted by her office designed to connect reentrants with services that will help them succeed which will ultimately improve outcomes in the communities where the reentrants live. Penny Signs, thank you for being here today and joining us. Can you start by telling us about your job as a parole manager? What do you do? So I am in the reentry division and I have six reentry parole agents that um, I supervise amongst two district offices and six SCIs. They work out of our reentry service office in our SCIs. And um, then, of course, the community reentry agents out of the two district offices, they work out of the district offices. They go to the community correction centers. Um, the reentry agents on the inside, they work in the RSO providing a ton of reentry services. We try to reach the reentrants at 18 months out, but the reentry service offices is for everybody. It's a service. It, you know, our, our vision is we want to like get the services to everybody, prepare them. I always said reentry starts at reception, but it actually starts at the time that you get arrested. And if you don't prepare for your release from day one, your release is going to come up and then you're going to be like, oh, I don't have money for rent. I don't have money for IDs. Where am I going to go? I don't have a job. All those gonna, gonna, gonna's aren't gonna, gonna happen. So um, we have a reentry service office. We try to reach out to 18 months to the minimum and start reentry services. Of course, it's a voluntary program. You can come and go as you please. So like if you come in ultimately at the 18 month mark, then you get into your mandatory correctional plan programming. Um, you know, you can go do that and then come back. We have speakers come into our reentry service offices from CareerLink and OVR and our mentoring programs. Um, we provide an orientation, a parole group. We used to call it living under supervision, 
but we broke it up in three different components because not everybody comes into the RSO at 18 months out. So they might come in at like four months to their release. They already saw parole, so they don't need the pre-parole stuff. So we broke the actual living under supervision workshop um, into three different components based on timeframes. Um, we have employment workshops, budgeting, and money type management um, workshops, communication, um, NCTI, which is the National Correctional Institute of or Technology. Um, we have a lot of life skills groups and Real Colors, which is a real big one that um, Pearl uses um, with corrections and with our reentrance. It's a personality assessment based on temperament. You learn a lot about yourself and others. The reentrance, their, their um, <clears throat> comment about Real Colors is it's a scary reel. They really, truly find out a lot about themselves and how they can approach other people productively because you find out what your temperament is and then other people's temperaments and personalities, and then you can approach them differently so you can get the most productiveness out of each person. So a lot of reentry services, we do resumes, we help them with housing, we link them with tons of services. And then when they get into the community, of course, you parole, you report to your district office within the 24 hours, you have your supervising agent, which is your agent of record, but you also have a community reentry parole agent, um, and every district office has one. They do an orientation with every parolee that gets out within the first week or month of their release. They have either an in-person or a virtual or on-the-phone orientation. And then they enroll them in any kind of reentry programming that they need. Um, carry guides, which is a cognitive-based intervention that works on criminogenic needs. So if you're a medium or high-risk offender, you're going to be enrolled in these carry guides. We enroll them in that. And it targets their area of, of criminogenic needs. Uh, they um, make sure they get enrolled in their mandatory um, groups, any kind of employment, resources, clothing, um, any kind of resources they need, food. They make sure they get all those needs met. Um, they are then, of course, see their agent of record um, within the first 10 days of their release um, to review their conditions of parole, answer any questions regarding their supervision, any referrals or evaluations that need completed. The community reentry agent works hand in hand with the agent of record. So basically when the reentrants and parolees get out, they actually have two agents. Now, so, Penny, I, I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I watch a lot of TV. Uh -huh. And from what I've learned about police shows and, and jail shows and everything on television is parole just means it's like one guy in a little office and he's got a bunch of manila folders stacked up on his desk and he checks in with people like once a month. And you're talking a lot more on that. So I just want to make sure that like this is all all, all true. This is definitely true. So this the this agent of record or the supervising agent, you know, they have um, minimum time frames that they have to see their 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 parolee. My community reentry agents, they see them for their orientations. Not only do they, like I said, on their phone or in the office, they go our, to our community correction centers and community correction facilities and, and provide orientation services there. They provide employment workshops there. I know my community reentry agents were about teamwork. 
they go out with the agents of records and sometimes do their one-on-one -on -one carry guides and their other reentry um, services with the agent of record as well. Um, parole agents aren't what they used to be. You know, they used to be the, oh, we're going to lock them up, bring them back to prison and the quote, like bad guys. They wear lots of hats now. They're social workers, they're reentry, they're, you know, I tell the reentrants on the inside that the agents out there have to do a lot of paperwork to bring you back. So if you're coming back to prison, you've messed up a lot, unless you've completed one of the fab fives, which is will bring you instantly back to prison. That's like a murder, a violent offense, a sex offense, um, absconding. And then um, basically there's a catch-all one that maybe you've had 20 bad urines and you've had sanctions and you've had programming and we've given you every chance in the world and you're finally going back. Um, so it's not like on TV at all. We are very um, re-entry based or very um, based on trying to reduce recidivism, wanting to, them to stay out, wanting them to move forward, wanting them to succeed. How long have you been doing what you do, been working in parole and, and assisting these re-entrants? So in total, not 19 and a half years with corrections and parole, I started, I transitioned from corrections um, to parole in 2014 um, as a parole supervisor at Rockview, then retreat. And then I transitioned into this parole manager position in January of 16. So I started out with like six SCIs, then I had 15. For a hot minute, I had all 25 for about six months. And then I went back to 15. And then we had a realignment in our reentry division. We had parole managers that supervised the community reentry agents. And then there was myself and another parole manager that supervised the reentry agents on the inside. And then when they had a realignment in reentry and when corrections and parole merged, um, they took all the parole managers, the six of us, and divided the state up more evenly and then gave us inside and out. So the other parole managers that just had the outside had to learn the inside. And then us on the inside, if we didn't know the outside, we had to learn the outside. But it's a very nice balance. You get to see the carry through of what you do on the inside and how it continues and carries through on the, on the street. It's, it's really good and there's a lot of successes. And that's what I try to share back to the reentrants on the inside in the RSOs. I believe all these stories validates everything I have to say. And we can teach them stuff, but the success stories that they don't see validates the good that reentry does. But it's nice to see the carry through and the communication from the inside to the outside. So when you say RSO, that is reentry re services office, and that's at every SEI, right? Correct. So back in around 2010 and 11, the SCIs had a, a, a transitional housing unit in, in five or six of the SCIs, Camp Hill, Mahanoy, Greaterford, Albion, and what's this other one? Oh, well, and one RSO is Muncie. And then when I transitioned into in this position in 16, we were opening more. So in the March of 17, we opened three other RSOs and some veteran service units in Mercer. Dallas already had a VSU and um, Houtsdale. And then by the end of 18, I do believe every SCI had some kind of reentry service office or transitional housing unit. But there was a lot of strict criteria for transitional housing units. 
So we really couldn't reach as many people as we wanted to. So, and, and a lot of SCIs didn't have a specific housing unit that they could like deem for the, that, those re-entrants. Um, so most of the SCIs, when they were told they had to have some kind of re-entry services, they all went with RSOs. And we kind of pretty much dissolved the transitional housing units. So before we started this, we were talking a little bit about uh, the older children that we both have and, and graduating college and, and kind of starting off their lives. And it got me thinking about reentrants who, you know, certainly weren't away at college, but they were uh, in, incarcerated. And now they're starting their lives, almost starting over when they are released from prison, either by serving their sentence or on parole. And what a shock it must be for them or, or the, the the barriers that might be uh, in place as they try to reintegrate back into society. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the barriers that reentrants face when you work with them? Yes. Um, so they have this, you know, this mindset, you know, that, that they're going back in the community that they sometimes they don't even think of their positive like skills when we do employment and, and those kind of things. We talk about strengths, needs, transferable skills. They've been put down so much that they have a hard time thinking of their skills. Well, the barriers are the same. Um, IDs, identification. If you don't have IDs, you can't get a job. If you go to a community correction center and you don't have IDs and you don't have this ID and this ID, you can't get this ID, you're set back and getting, you know, moving forward into a place of your own because you can't get a job because you don't have your IDs. We have a lot of MOUs inside the SCI for um, their PAIDs and then uh, the inmate general welfare, well, yeah, welfare fund, sorry about that, um, will fund for their PAIDs. They have a, a new memorandum of understanding for what, um, we had one with vital records, but they just added that the IGWF will now pay for birth certificates. Social security cards are free, um, but we really encourage the reentrants to plan ahead and get all their IDs before they get out of the SCI, because once they're out, we don't have those MOUs to carry through. So IDs is a big barrier. Um, and then of course, sometimes when they've used aliases, we can verify a lot more from inside. So we really stress the importance of getting their IDs before they get out because the reentry agents on the street, they're creative and they have contacts that can help with this, but it still sets the reentrant back. It sets them back a good month if you go to a community correction center without your IDs, because then you can't get a job because you don't have your IDs and, and it's like you're set back. Transportation's a big issue. If you don't have a car or you can't renew your license right away because of restoration requirements, um, families say, oh yeah, we'll support you when you come out and then life kicks in and they can't. Um, my community reentry agent from Williamsport District got very creative. She reached out to a community facility that we utilize for food and clothing. And she goes, do you help with bus passes? And they go, no. And they go, I wonder why we don't. And the director said, let's do it. So her and I came together. We proposed the uh, transportation plan and took it back to the center. And now they provide bus passes for my two community correction centers in Weemsport for employment purposes. Employment's a barrier. If you go to prison and you commit a crime and you've had a career all your life and now you can't return to that career, what are you going to do? We have an ONET profile we do in our employment workshop to look at different things, but we hook you into CareerLink and OVR and a lot of resources. 
to help with um, employment. Um, we have a nice uh, collaboration with CareerLink in my one district. They come into some of my SCIs with their CareerLink bus, but they also go into my community correction center and carry on with the employment stuff that we start in the SCI. Money is a barrier. If you don't have money, how can you survive? Sometimes they want to revert back to their um, not so good choices and their criminal thinking if they don't have money. Family support, medical needs. Um, we try to get their medical assistance started. Um, we have a thing in place. We used to have to do compass applications prior to them leaving, which is the medical assistance application. But um, if they're paroling, we have it set up now when the parole office does the release checklist and the release paperwork, it goes right to medical assistance. So when they get to their home plan or their community correction center, our community reentry agents during the orientation asks them, do you have your medical assistance paperwork? Did it get there? And if not, they help them get it, get it, get it from the, the welfare office. Um, but if you're not paroling, there's social workers inside that help with that. Um, <clears throat> housing, you have to have a home plan to approve or to parole that's approved, but sometimes people get out and their housing issues change. So housing's an issue. Incorporating their required programming into their daily routines and their work schedules. You know, they come out, like you said, they've been told what to do and all these rules inside of prison. Now they have to learn to set an alarm, get up, go to work. Then if they have mandatory programming, how are they going to go to work? How are they going to do their mandatory programming? So that's a lot of barriers and a lot to face when you've been inside being told everything and now you have to try to manage it all yourself. So there's a lot that we ask of the reentrance, and there's a lot that uh, you and your team help the reentrance with, but I know you guys don't do it alone. And the Department of Corrections recently announced a, a new public-private partnership called STRIVE out in the Stra uh, Scranton area. Can you tell us a little bit about what STRIVE is and why it's important? Oh, it's very important. Um, my community reentry agent out from Scranton worked devotedly and effortlessly for two years on this project and program to get it going. So all the kudos go to her. It's Mary Brotsman. Um, I told her, I said, I'm putting that out there. She deserves all the credit for this. So Strive was developed by her and it was through collaborations. Um, she goes to reentry coalition meetings. All my community reentry agents and my reentry agents attend these reentry coalition meetings. And Strive is based and modeled after the federal court assisted reentry program, which is CARE. That was developed in 2015 through an attorney, Albert R. Murray Jr., and a retired judge, Thomas Vinisky. They have been trying to get something with the state for a long time. So they met Mary at these coalition meetings and said, we got to get something going with the state. So one day she came over and we racked our brains. We wanted something catchy. We wanted something state. We wanted something reentry. And we were trying all these acronyms. So it's a little lengthy, but it got the point across. So STRIVE stands for State Transition Reentry Initiative Validating Endeavors. A little wordy, but it's still somewhat catchy, I guess. Yeah, I think you guys probably had the, you had STRIVE first, and then you made the words fit, right? Exactly. <laughs> that um, works. It, it's a partnership to assess reentrance in making the successful transition back into the community, you know, following their incarceration. So this federal act or care act program basically collaborates with some community partners. 
So our STRIVE program also partners with those same um, community partners. So we have a bank, ESS Bank and Trust, out of um, it's a Strasbourg-based community bank. They offer money management classes. So basically that you have to attend at least one money management class. Um, and they can offer loans up to 15,000 that can be used for housing, transportation, or education. Of course, when we were first promoting this, everybody's like, what's the catch? You know, are they gonna have high interest rates? You know, is this setting them up to fail? And we're like, no, there's no catch. This is community partners wanting to reduce recidivism and also strengthening local community partnerships. Um, we have Northampton Community College. They provide English language learners, ABE classes, GED classes, college level classes, vocational training, employment counseling, lots of different things that the reentrants can take and, and move forward and succeed and, and, and get a better life. Pyramid Healthcare, um, they provide behavioral services, including drug and alcohol, outpatient substance abuse, mental health, and medication assistance treatment. So these community partners came together and have been working through the CARE program, and now they are part of the STRIVE program. And why it's important, again, it's these community partners that want to reduce the risk of recidivism and strengthen the local communities. And these collaborations also assist with these barriers that we identified just a few minutes ago that these reentrants are facing when they do return to their communities. Everybody's like, I'd like to get a car, but I don't have a way, or my credit's been affected, or I'd like to go back to school to better myself, but I can't get a loan. So we have this great, great collaboration. We're starting it off in the Scranton District, Lackawanna County. We want to spread it. I want to bring it to my other district next, Williamsport. Um, but New Jersey actually reached out to the partners and said, okay, you got it going now in Pennsylvania. Let's get it in New Jersey. So it's very exciting. I'm very excited. We kicked it off. We launched the meeting the week of the 26th, and we had reentrants already sign up for it. It sounds like it's a, it's very important because as we talked about, reentrants are going to become part of the community, right? They are, they're us basically. They have a stronger, uh, more effective reentry program benefits not only the reentrants but the entire community as well. Yeah, I always tell the the reentrants, I'm like, you know, can you know, you have to convince the community, you know that you're come, you deserve the opportunity to come back there, prove the community is wrong, that you're not gonna bring more crime and all those kind of things. But then on the flip side, I'm always educating communities saying, look, reentrants and inmates and prisoners don't go to prison forever. You have to remember that, you know, they're gonna come home sometime. So hopefully the, the programs and the services that we give and them wanting to change, because we can provide everything to them. They just have to want to change too and apply this stuff. You know, because overall, we all live in these communities. You don't know who lives next door to you. You don't know who's going to be living next door to you. So, yes, we want the best for them so they can succeed and we can have safe communities. So we hope to have a lot of success stories coming out of this drive partnership. But you've been doing this for a while now. Before I let you go, do you have any memorable reentrant success stories or something that you think back on and say, we really did a good job for this person? Yes. So I always take the success stories into the prison because they always, you know, hear those and see the proleys that violate and come back. So a memorable success story that we have is we had a reentrant who paroled to the Williamsport District Office in 2020. 
He attended my community reentry parole agent Ramiza's orientation group and was enrolled in her virtual employment service group. At that time, it was virtual because of COVID. Um, then he was referred to our career link specialists that she collaborates with. He took career coaching through CareerLink, and then between reentry and CareerLink, he obtained jobs. He moved up the ranks, completing manual labor, training, all these things to get better himself. Through his motivation, and he stressed he wanted to take his life back, he wanted to succeed. He is now in a job that is making six figures. He is supporting his family, who totally supported him when he was incarcerated. So it's a very great success story. Kind of able to come full circle. Yes. If there are any community partners that want to help their local uh, reentrant services offices or or parole offices to provide necessities or things like you said, bus passes, anything like that, how would the community go about supporting reentrants? Is there a way? Oh, definitely. Um, like, like I said, we reach out all the time. I, we have community days where my agents just go into the community and walk into businesses and say, "Can you do this? Can you do that?" But um, through a lot of our reentry coalitions, we've invited people or people get involved that way. And then they're like, how can we help? How can we help? How can we help? So, and, and, and if they want to like partner with parole or corrections, um, like our community um, reentry lots that we have through community corrections, they could contact the state parole, you know, um, in their area or even uh, probably Harrisburg, our central offices and say, hey, you know, what can we do to be involved? Um, these judges, you know, one's a retired judge, one's a current judge. They wanted to continue giving back and, and seeing success. So, you know, definitely reaching out to us in any which way. And we'll we'll provide any kind of, you know, information to help our reentrants and get them linked into helping things. Absolutely. All right. Parole manager Penny Signs, thank you for everything you do. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a great day. We appreciate Penny for taking the time to join us today and for all she does to support reentrance. If you want to learn more about Strive, there is a news release with all the details posted on our website, cor.pa.gov. Thank you for listening to the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast, a production of the Department of Corrections Communications Office. For producer Kurt Bope, I'm Ryan Tarkowski. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CorrectionsPA. Until next time. <laughs>